Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, May 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It has been an unexpectedly rough start for Sporting Kansas City this season. The team is coming off its first victory in 11 games heading into Saturday's contest against Minnesota. Uh, But the worst part is, Sporting is continuing its trend from 2022 when its record matched the second worst in the Western Conference. On today's show, star columnist and former Sporting beat writer Sam McDowell sat down with principal owner Mike Illig and team president Jake Reed to discuss the state of the team and coach Peter Vermees. Vermees is the longest tenured coach in MLS and one of the longest tenured in global professional soccer. He is synonymous with Sporting KC. But how safe is Vermees? Is his job on the line this season? The question and many others is explored on today's show. Okay, let's get started. Sam, you spoke with sporting principal owner Mike Illig and president and CEO Jake Reed for a story about the state of the team, which is off to a horrendous start. One victory in 11 games, although they are coming off a huge victory in Seattle against the first place team in the West. You wrote a column, and Illig called the team start an embarrassment. You know, the funny thing is, Sam, we, we, we got to talk to Peter Vermees and players at the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. They were, yeah. Uh, and and the, the feeling was optimism then, and everybody was kind of feeling good about the season coming off of the, the disappointing 2022 year. But it's just been a, a terrible start. And we'll get into Peter Vermees in a minute. But what, just talk about why you uh, dived into this topic. Yeah, well, I... I think that when things are going the way they are and we've got two organizations in town that we can say this about um with the royals as well that ownership owns uh, owes the fans a message for what their viewpoint of it is and you know we did talk to john sherman a week ago and his messages were this is part of it and then you know we heard something that was quite contrasting from mike illig that says like you mentioned he said it's an embarrassment this is not at all where they plan to be. This is not part of any process they're going to. They expected to be competitive, you know, with with anybody in the league this year. And I think, like you mentioned, that the Seattle match showed that there's capability when they have their guys. But I, I probably should have put this in the column. Mike Illig even said to me when he opened, he said, "I wish I would have talked to you on Saturday before that match, because you know this is about the full picture, not just what." the team had done a day before on on Sunday that doesn't like you mentioned just suddenly make make everything seem like it's roses and flowers they've got everything all figured out I mean we'll find out over the course of the season whether that match was a weird MLS result which we see a lot in Mm -hmm. that league or whether it is the start of a new trend but yeah I mean absolutely what prompted me was First of all, Sporting has always given great access. They've always made people available. Um, and a model franchise in that way. Absolutely. In many ways. Yeah. I mean, I think when you read the entire column, it's if, if you don't know the franchise, you should be shocked by some of the things that an owner is willing to put out there. Mm-hmm. An openness. Just, just an openness. I, I, I read it in sense that he has a pulse on the fans feelings about this team and, and definitely yeah and i that i really appreciate that uh now he in his position and every has every right to do this goes you know tries to go deeper and tries to explain what he thinks or his interpretation of what the, what the problems have been and uh and injuries of course I and mean, there's 
There's no denying it. it it's that is a it's been a big part of it last year and this year. Let's get the record out. So uh, from the get from the beginning of last year, Sporting is 12, 23, and ten. That is just an unacceptable record for this yeah. for this organization. But um, but but yeah, it, that 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 wasn't new news. But to hear him, you, you know, it, address it, I thought you know that, that I'm, I'm glad he did. Uh, but but it's becoming less of a of a reason for the results for sporting. Yeah, I mean it's it's like I think people have become immune to it because they've heard it so often. And to be fair, we we heard like injuries used as rationale before Polito and, and Kinda were out. But I I I really more than any other topic fought back with him on the injury stuff when we were having a conversation and i said look you guys used to be a club that i was constantly told hey the moves are made because it's not about one or two players you know they moved on from dom dwyer they moved on from Ike par they moved on from kai kamara all those guys were in the primes of their career and the message was always that well this club is bigger than one or two players mm-hmm. And it to me, it goes against that whenever you point to one or two players being out as the rationale for why things aren't going well. And like I said, I, I told him that. I, I said, you know, this was the message you guys used to have, and that contrasts with the message I'm hearing now. And he said, well, Polito cost $8 million as a transfer. Gotti Kinda cost $4 million as a transfer. The club had probably spent $4 million total on transfers before. He said, so... These are two players of a different caliber that are out. And there is a lot of truth to that. I mean, they, they've played well with those guys who are in the lineup. But I also think it's, it's – and this is what I phrased to him. I said, listen, when it's an excuse for not being in first place in the Western Conference over the last two years. It's not an excuse for getting your first win of the season 11 games into the season. It's, it's factually true that they have not responded well – to these guys being out and listen he agreed with that and as Mike Illig is answering Jake Reed is nodding his head yes I mean so they certainly just because there hasn't been a change made doesn't mean that they're, they're tolerant or content with the way things have gone that's definitely not the case yeah two goals against Seattle uh, by far the you know, the most productive game yeah, and so good the, goals too yeah exactly and Polito got one of them so it was great, yeah. great to see him score but that meant three goals in the first 10 games exactly that is unbelievable yeah i mean it's not just the the record it's the way that they've lost i mean i think that they've been lifeless offensively you can say for sure it it was it was not something i really got that deep into the column other than the final quote but mike illig talked a few times about it did not seem like the team was having fun and i said do you mean that they're not giving all effort? And he said, no, I, I think the effort's there. I don't think it's an effort issue. They don't look like they're enjoying being out there. And that's a chicken and the egg thing. I mean, yeah. you should not be enjoying it when the results are what they are. But I thought it was telling that that was something that, that he continued to spot was that, you know, there's not a lot of – because Sporting's got I, – I think if those three goals, two of them gave them the lead – and they didn't win those matches. Like they had opportunities um, to to celebrate moments within a within a match. I personally think that how bad they started a year ago played into the mentality once they got 
three or four matches into this season and they hadn't won. I think there's the here we go again feeling and suddenly you became, you know, the 35 home run hitter who went all of April without hitting one. I, I like that uh, analogy. I, uh, they, they, they've been tough to watch. Um, they, they don't seem to play up until the Seattle game, which was actually a entirely different, you know, visual. Yeah. But uh, they didn't seem to play with much joy um, and not the confidence that I'm used to seeing w- with them. And and, and the, uh, the oddest part of that is uh, there are a lot of familiar faces still out there, including, you know, including the manager. Yeah. Uh, so is there a thought that, you know, everybody's a little bit older, uh, they, there, there hasn't been as much roster turnover shakeup as there needs to be, depending on too much on on, on veteran guys before we I I think before we break down the Peter Vermees role I just wanted to flush out every um, possibility for why they're you know they're not playing well is it formation um, guys out of position what's your sense of that yeah I mean this was definitely part of our conversation because I think more than any other sport the coach in MLS is required to adapt especially one that's been the manager since 2009 you know the nfl has certainly changed since 2009 but not to the degree of which mls has changed when you talk about the amount of teams that have come in the caliber caliber of players that have come in you know it, it'd be like being a college coach at umkc and then suddenly you get hired at mizzou you're gonna have to change like you're you're going to have to recruit a different caliber of player all of a sudden, um, what won um, and, you know, the Summit League is not going to win probably in the SEC. And I think that there's certainly been a lot of adaptation and evolution of the league itself. And Peter Vermees has tried to win the same way. You know, I, I said at one point to Mike Illig, I said that 2013 team that won MLS Cup for Sporting Kansas City does not win MLS Cup today because the league is completely different and there was agreement with that and I so I, I think it, it would be nice if there was one reason why that they they've lost I think that is part of the danger of pointing to the injuries is when you say hey just wait till we get our guys there's there is some danger in potentially ignoring the fact that there's some other things that that aren't going well either well is talent one of them is this a team that just isn't as talented as some of the better ones in the last few years? I, th- I would say um, a, a variety of talent. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is, let's use like the Chiefs wide receivers as an example. Do we think the Chiefs had the most talented wide receiver group in the league now, we, last we, year? We do not. But they got a, a diverse skill set. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling does not play the way Juju Smith-Suster did last year or the way McCall Hardman or Kadarius Toney played. I think when you look at Sporting Kansas City's offense, there is some reasonable questions as far as, you know, do, do Johnny Russell and Daniel Shallowy, are they too predictable because they play similarly on the outside? Even if they have different abilities to do some things, you know, it's a lot of get the ball at their feet before they get to the back line and then try and make them go through some guys. Um, so, yeah, I think that's part of the offense that's certainly gotten stale. The irony is their defense has actually gotten better this year than, than it was last year. I still think their center backs, now 
they've, they've got a new guy with Rosero that I think is better. Um, but I, I think it's, it's certainly fair to question whether or not they have the same talent as some of these other teams in the league do. Well, and the, um, uh, the, the talent evaluator and is, is the one who coaches the team as well. And we're going to talk about Peter Vermees when we come back. So let's take a break. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast, and we're talking Sporting KC with columnist Sam McDowell. How, how long were you the Sporting Beat writer? Let's see, I took over a month before they won in 2013. So I guess it was like five and a half, five and a half seasons. Yeah, you, you yeah. Um, and, and, um, and, and continue to follow them pretty closely uh, when you stop covering them as a, as a beat. And, boy, I remember when... They changed the, when Sporting changed its identity from the Wizards to Sporting. I remember thinking eh, that's a silly name, um, <laughs> but it turns out it was a wonderful marketing strategy. Absolutely, and yeah. they are uh, continue to be a, a standard setter when it comes to uh, kind of off the field uh, branding and imaging, and they're, they're just yeah. they're just terrific. I think it's a one of the reasons that um, one of the reasons that the World Cup wanted to come to KC is just because of what what sporting has become certainly and what the facilities are like there so um, that 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 doesn't change what has changed is success on the field uh, on the pitch it hasn't been there uh, for the last year and uh, since the beginning of of 2022 but Peter Vermees has been there because he's always there (laughs) he's been the the manager since uh, 2009 Former uh, Kansas City Wizard. In fact, I think he's the only person in MLS history to play for and win uh, as a manager in yeah. MLS Cup. Yeah, yeah. But been it, the manager five years longer than anybody else in MLS. Longest the, tenure. current uh, job. And according to Sporting Kansas City's website, which I, I looked this up, um, he's sixth in the world uh, among global oh, soccer really? coaches. Longest tenured coach. Wow. When, and when you think wow. about how often you hear about top teams turning over their coaches... I, I thought, wow, that's you know, that's yeah. that's pretty remarkable to be the sixth longest. If that, you know, if that's true, and I yeah. don't know how many leagues they surveyed for that, but that's pretty impressive. A few years ago, before you became the columnist, Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, and I were discussing uh, the, the the best coaches, managers in Kansas City sports history, and Peter Vermees was on that list. You know, just all time. Yeah. Um, and now there are boos at Children's Mercy Park for the team, and I suspect directed toward him as well. Yeah. And that that just strikes me odd. And I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not saying conversation shouldn't be had. It absolutely should be had. That was part of your reason for the story. But I guess I just never I never thought I would see it come to this. Yeah, I, that's, that's what – I mean, I totally agree with the sentiment you just laid out, is that it's really unusual having covered this team for five and a half years and – I mean, listen, we were critical of them back then, but it was, in a way, we're critical of the Chiefs now. It was like, right. well, we think we're critical because we think you guys have the ability to go deep in the playoffs. That hasn't happened. Right. That's what we continue to talk about on the aftermath of that 2013 season. I, I really didn't envision, especially so abruptly, that we'd be having this conversation as far as is he going to remain on as the manager. I mean, you mentioned it. He's the... Longest tenured guy in MLS. He's been around so long, and uh, you know, you referenced the World Cup. 
we don't have the World Cup without, I don't think, without Abs- Peter Absolutely Vermees. not. Absolutely not. I think he's the single most important figure we've had in Kansas City soccer um, since MLS, since the birth of MLS. Mm-hmm. And it's just really unusual um, because I, I was, when he, I went down, you mentioned the Super Bowl, I went down um, back a month later to go to Royal Spring training and the Royals were finished or Sporting Kansas City was finishing up its uh, last week of, you know, its version of spring training out in, in Arizona. And he had just signed a five-year extension. And I did ask him at that, you know, and I asked Mike Illig at that point about the timing of them not having a great year last year and giving him this extension. But at that point, that bad year was an outlier. And this year now suddenly becomes part of the trend that includes last year. But at that time, I thought, you know, I even asked him, I said, how long do you want to do this? I mean, I I just always had envisioned that that would be when Peter Vermees walked away is when he decided, I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't have the same energy I used to have. And that came up in our conversation with Mike Gilligan as well. I said, do you still see the same intensity? He said, more than ever. He said, "This, this is the type of stuff that drives him as much as anything. Well, it's good to hear, uh, and I, I'm not surprised to hear it either. No, no. Just if you know, know, if you know his him, personality, right, yeah, right. Fits. If you know him, uh, he is he is a driven guy. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought um, after because I got on the Zoom call after Sunday's match against Seattle, and I don't get on all the post game Zoom calls, but he was not in a good mood, um, and I had heard that earlier in the week it was kind of the same way this week as we talk here on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and that's kind of been his personality is when you win, he still wants to find something that you need to do better. Um, Andy Reid always calls every every game is, is a lesson of some sort. I think for a, a long while now, Peter Vermees has had, and I know for a fact he's shown the players like clips of them playing well because confidence has, has been an issue. And now he's... You know, I, I think maybe a little bit more back to his his normal self after a win, and that includes you know being being more critical of everything. Peter is not part of the ownership group. Um, he he has bosses, and I guess what I have I guess come to understand now is he, he's not immovable. I mean, he yeah he, he can he can be replaced. As as far fetched to me as that sounds. If the results don't improve, yeah, it, it sounds like Mike Illig and and Jake Reed are willing to, you know, make the make a difficult call and and replace Peter Vermees. You know, reading some social media, there's a certain segment of the fandom that wants that to happen. Yeah, and my question is, take a stab at this: Why should it happen? Let's talk about why it could or should happen, and then why it might not happen okay um yeah that's an interesting way to go about it I, I guess i would say you know if you're part of that that segment of um the population that does think he should be replaced uh, you know i think first of all you probably haven't thought through the aftermath of that uh, as fully as you should but um you know the stuff you point to is is probably the staleness um i think when when you have there's, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of them, but the MLS has meetings. I think they call them the CSO meetings, like chief soccer officer, because it's not like uh, NFL or Major League Baseball where everyone's called the GM. I guess, you know, baseball, some people are called vice president of baseball operations. Yeah. So and the MLS league office calls them all chief soccer um, 
you know, officers, whatever they are. And those meetings, there's only two guys that sit on those meetings that also coach the team, and it's Bruce Arena and Peter Vermees. Two of the biggest names in U.S. soccer. Absolutely. The guys who have earned the ability to have sort of that full control. But I think if you're pointing to one of the reasons why there needs to be a change is dissent is good sometimes. It's Being sp- challenged. Yeah, yeah being challenged, when, right. when things aren't going well. You don't just want to have the full autonomy to do whatever you want. It's why Andy Reid didn't want to do that here in Kansas City. Made it a point. I mean, that was yeah. part of him taking the job. He Absolutely. did not want the general manager role. Yeah, and this, this season is longer than it ever has been. When he first got that job, the season was probably six weeks shorter. Now, there's so much that needs to be going on during the season. I think it's a lot to ask of one person. And if I... I think there's more validity to that argument as far as chipping away at all the hats he wears as opposed to just getting rid of the person altogether. But I also don't really think it works if Peter Vermees is still in the building and suddenly has bosses, for example, or if he's you know managing somebody who's managing a game. I don't envision how that something like that could work. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I, just as a, I'm old enough to remember a time in college sports where the the head football coach or the head basketball coach was also the athletic director. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there was a time when that was common, and that was basically a way to give the the coach a little more money. Sure, yeah. But um, that doesn't happen anymore, and there's a good reason for it. The, the, the athletic director, the general manager, the technical director, whatever, however you want to uh, call it, um, the, the role became too important. Yeah, basically talent acquisition role. And that's 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 a really good comparison because the especially the way you phrased it, that role became too important. The MLS league used to be about um, who had the best domestic players, and you had some designated players that were foreign players that were major factors for sure. But that player pool, when you have twenty eight teams as opposed to twenty, it's different. You know, I don't think that we would say that the American player pool is, dra- you know, I mean, that's that's what, adding on 33% of your league. I don't think we think it's 33% better than it was 10 years ago. Right. But that same talent is spread across 28 teams. The talent acquisition is much more difficult than it used to be, especially when you're recruiting a higher level of player. And so that's why, like I said, if, if you're on the argument that there needs to be a change, I think that's what, what you look at is that, one guy wearing too many hats has, has caused him to be spread too thin, and that's why maybe there hasn't been, like you referenced, the change as much change as, as there's, there's needed to be. All right, so then how does Peter Vermees and Sporting Kansas City dig their way out of, of this? And what's the argument for Peter Vermees being the best person to, to lead Sporting out of this? Yeah, I think his track record um, is you know speaks for itself. Um, I think... The, the injuries thing is real. They, they've played well with these two guys in the lineup. Um, I do think the way Mike Gillick phrased it, it's not a fair evaluation. I think it's fair to evaluate what he's done without these guys, um, but maybe it's not a full evaluation until you see the, the, the group that he intended to put together. You know, I've, I've heard so many times from, from that building, you know, what if the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? And the world would be aware of it, but for one, I mean, there's fantasy <laughs> yes. football. Every, you know, everybody would know 
Yep. We we saw what the Texans were when suddenly Deshaun Watson was was out for a whole year. Right. Um, there's a there's a reason these guys are making fifty million. Yeah, there, and there's a reason that Alan Polito and Gotti Keens are the two most expensive players on Sporting Kansas yeah. City's roster. They are their two most talented players. It's fair to let him and play with these guys. I also don't see the advantage of an in season change because of what we just mentioned. He wears so many hats that I think it's not going to be an overnight thing to suddenly replace all of he do- all that he does. I think if you're going to make a change, it needs to be in the offseason. You know, the in-season change is this message to fans that it's not been good enough. Um, I think that you can make that same message in the offseason and get through a season if that was your intention. And therefore, you've got way more da- data to gauge the job that he's done. But the last thing I would just say is if Peter Vermees got fired tomorrow, there are 20 teams in the league that would prefer to fire their own guy to hire Peter Vermees. I have no doubt about that. I really do. I have no doubt that that is the case. Um, so they've played 11. There's 23 to go. So they're a third of the way through the season. Uh, they did pick up their three points in Seattle. If they put together two segments of winning records, over the, you know, they could put themselves into a playoff position. Yeah, that's uh, certainly. They, yeah, they've added. Uh, there are more teams in the MLS, but there's sort of more playoff yeah, positions as nine, well. There's nine teams that make it now. That another eight nine is a play-in. I don't. I think they're calling it. You know, the NBA calls those play-in games, yeah. and you don't technically make the playoffs unless you win those. I don't think that's how it works in MLS. I think you technically would make the playoffs, even if you do play in that play-in eight nine game. But I think they're only like six points out of out of that. With like you said, twenty three some odd matches to go like you've mm-hmm. you've got plenty of time but you have to play better than those teams ahead of you need to play like you don't have the margin for error that Seattle does or St. I don't know how talented St. Louis is for example but they've certainly offered themselves a lot more margin for error than Sporting has and they, they're coming up pretty soon actually uh, yeah in a couple the end, weeks yeah, yeah I think the end, by the end by the end yeah. of May so um We'll we'll talk about that game because I'm I'm kind of fascinated by a Kansas yeah, City yeah. St. Louis soccer rivalry. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I maybe it's the, the the older I get, the more sentimental I get about these things. But I want to see Peter Vermees succeed because I've always seen him succeed, and yeah. and now he's in a place where he hasn't been, and I'm betting he can he can get his way out of this thing. He has seen. I'll tell you how much he is soccer he has seen in, in, in Kansas City. I added this up. All competitions, MLS and U.S. Open Cup, et cetera, uh, 527 games. That's, yeah, wow. That's a lot of games for him. He's seen I mean, he's seen pretty much everything. And I, I just I, – I guess I would comment on just – there's some people that I think that this has been a long leash. This has been going on for – you know, I mean, a couple of years ago, they 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 should have been the number one seed in the West if they had finished out. You know, they just won their last match. Right. We're talking about the number one seed in the Western Conference. I understand this is two bad years, and people absolutely should be frustrated with the way it's gone over the past fifteen months. This guy has earned a leash, and you know, Chicago and the New York Red Bull fired their coaches earlier this week. The Chicago Fire coach had a worse record just over the last fifteen months. That was his full record. Yeah, That's right. all the data right. he had there, on that yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. There was no resume there. Exactly. Like, Peter Vermees has earned himself a longer leash, certainly than the guy who picks up from the Chicago Fire at the start of the 2022 season. 
I think it's it's a little disappointing. Um, it's it's not disappointing that that some people think that the right move is to to make a change. And if that's what you think, I I disagree. This is the right time, but I think you could go through the argument. And if that's where that's where you fall, that's where you fall. I do think it's disappointing that some people have resorted to chanting for his dismissal at a match. I think that what he's given this club and even his track record alone, he he deserves he deserves a, a better outcome than that. Um, but I also think he deserves a, a better showing from what he's given this city than, than something like that. I think it also means that the fans care enough about a team and an organization that he created. It's a, it's a great point. And listen, I th- actually think, and I brought this up to some people within that organization, it's not the worst thing in the world that something like that happened at a match because sp- when Sporting rebranded, what did they want? They wanted fans to become passionate about their team. That shows that they are passionate about it's not just about going to see the new stadium anymore. They care about the team that's in the stadium. They care about they if they win or lose. They want to hold people accountable. It's a good moment for the organization itself to have fans that care enough that they're following this stuff. Well, maybe they can get a second straight victory. Um, they they do play U.S. Open Cup on uh, Thursday. Did we determine Wednesday, that? Is Wednesday, it Wednesday, yeah. which is yeah. today, yeah, the Wednesday day we're night. recording. So they're down in Houston, right? Yeah. Uh, but Saturday, MLS returns with Minnesota coming to Children's Mercy Park. So, all right, Sam, great column, and we've linked to it in the uh, in the Kansas in the podcast story that appears on KansasCity.com. And great conversation. Thanks. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together the show, and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell for sharing his insights, and you can find his column about this topic on KansasCity.com. Speaking of websites, check out the best digital sports page in America, the Morning Sports Edition. Today's is packed with stories about the Royals, the Chiefs, NFL schedules, the NBA and NHL playoffs, sporting, and so much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com to see what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.